Greetings to you, friends, from the airwaves, broadcasting to the nation and around the world, coming to you from Nick 1150 AM radio. This is Blair Hebert, story creator of the Sputnik Satellite Radio Show. Today we're looking at the character backstory and timeline for Tracy Albright. How does it work? A crystal in a circuit. A crystal? Like a rock crystal? How does it work in a radio? Daryl looks impressed and smiles at his young protege. Well, that, my dear, requires a full explanation, which I'm not prepared to give you at this time. Let's keep it simple for today. You can learn all about it from Reader's Digest on your own and over time, then ask me questions. For today, we'll stick with the basics. The four main components for a radio receiver are, first, you need some form of an antenna to pick up a signal, and an earth ground to stabilize it. This long wire will do. We'll run it out your window to ground, and I'll connect and mount a small antenna tower on the roof. Next, you need to be able to tune in the signal you want to receive. So a crystal will rectify the modulating radio signals and allow your dial to find the desired radio wave from all the other frequencies. From this dialed-in frequency, you can then extract audio from the sound wave and send it through a transducer to a cone speaker so you can hear it. This all happens within the radio circuit. Tracy is awestruck and stares into the impossible beauty of the impeccable wiring of the radio circuitry and closely watches Daryl's tiny movements as he makes the final adjustments. It looks complicated, but you're young and smart and you can learn everything about it if you're so inclined. And if not, just, just enjoy it. Got it? Daryl winks at Tracy and chuckles. Tracy, with a quizzical look of concentration, responds, Roger that, with a limp-wristed salute, and continues to examine her new prized possession. You don't need to understand everything before you use it, just to have fun. Now let's finish the setup and tune it to an overseas broadcast station. Thus begins Tracy's lifelong love affair with radio broadcasting and the deep bond of friendship between herself and her mentor, Uncle Daryl. Born February 1st, 1934, Tracy is a smart, precocious, inquisitive child, showing an extraordinary ability to take in the world around her with wonder and joy. As fate would have it, an unfortunate concussive head injury happens to her at a young age, leaving her somewhat verbally impaired and increasingly narrow-focused and introverted during adolescence. She experiences anxiety in public, leaving her young parents with a quandary as to what to do and how to help her. This makes for a troubling start to her school years, where she has difficulty fitting in and is often teased and picked on. At home, her favorite activity is sitting on the stairs, watching her parents dance in the living room to the radio and gramophone playing swing music. Watching them express their lovely feelings for each other in dance time with music brings her tremendous feelings of joy. Tracy is seven years old when her father enlists in the Second World War, as volunteer soldiers often do, he believes he will safely return and explains to his family that it will be a short trip to defeat the Huns and then while over there on leave he will also visit his family in Switzerland and return home at the end of the tour of duty. Unfortunately, it does not happen this way. Her father disappears shortly after arriving overseas and is never heard from again. 
Tracy's mother waits patiently for a letter which never arrives. During the war years, as the small family waits for any news from their father, Tracy and her two older siblings are raised by their hard-working single mother, who is rarely at home. Even though they have little income, Tracy's mother always seems to make ends meet and provide a roof over their heads. Before the age of 10, Tracy is already showing signs of an extraordinary photographic memory and budding intellect. Although she still suffers from headaches, light sensitivity, and social awkwardness, she's very bright and a straight-A student. Her teachers adjudicate her as having an extraordinary ability to journal her daily activity, writing creative stories, and collaborate on complex projects in science. In science class, she develops a particular interest in anything related to sound waves and radio frequency. To her, a radio receiver is a magical device that reminds her of the lovely feelings she has for her father. By Tracy's 10th birthday, Daryl Lang enters her life as a friend of her mother's. Tracy is told that Daryl is a radio engineer and a work friend of her dad's. Although he is older, it seems he is more than just a friend to Tracy's mom in her alone time. As time passes with no word from overseas, Daryl begins to visit their home more frequently. He's always there helping in a time of need. While the family waits for a letter from their father overseas, Daryl also waits and is concerned by the delay. He is there the day they receive the dreaded missing in action telegram and shares in their sorrow. Months pass, and one evening while visiting for dinner, Daryl notices Tracy's inquisitive nature and feels for the shy adolescent. He makes an attempt to connect. When he discovers her interest in science, he asks if she's interested in the magical science of radio. Her eyes meet his in a locked stare, and she gives him a big smile and says, Yes! Daryl and Tracy's dad had worked together in a telephone radio-electronic factory and were both amateur engineers with a passion for broadcast. It was not by accident Tracy would develop an interest. In her single focused way, she soon becomes obsessed with international broadcast and shortwave listening radio. More than anything else, she desires a long distance listening shortwave radio receiver. For getting straight A's on her final report card that year, Daryl presents to her the coolest present she could ever imagine a custom-made shortwave radio. It looks like a futuristic time machine, a real piece of steampunk art with extremely sensitive tuning. Hand-built by Daryl, it is composed of the highest quality components, a tuning crystal, switch, tubes, resistor, transducer, and a cone speaker. Daryl acquires all these top-grade parts at a discount from the electronics factory where he works and has assembled them into a cabinet for Tracy in his off hours. With this premium set, Tracy can listen to music from around the world and receive direct news reports from England and the World Service. Tracy begins spinning the freewheeling radio dial and tunes into her first news broadcast from the front. While most Americans are getting their information from print and radio journalists, Tracy is now getting them from the source on her very own set. She is in heaven. Her mother sardonically quips, and she was never to be seen or heard from again. Now, instead of listening to war correspondence on CBS and NBC at night, Tracy uses her shortwave radio to tune into the World Service on BBC, 
to get news and music from Europe. From this, she becomes intrigued with other languages and cultures and is especially fond of the BBC Overseas Service for easy-to-understand English radio. September the 2nd, 1945, the War Department declares the war is over and promises that all servicemen eligible for demobilization from Europe will be back in the U.S. by February and from the Pacific by June of 1946. One million men will be discharged from the military in December 1945. The world is ecstatic at the news. But for the families who lost loved ones, it leaves an unfillable empty hole in their hearts. Tracy's home is a somber and sad place to be at the end of the war. Daryl sits quietly with Tracy's mom for long hours, the curtains drawn in the living room, and comforts her and the family as best he can. Tracy stays in her room, spinning the radio dial, listening for any news of the demobilization, secretly hoping she will unlock the mystery of her father's disappearance. She vows she will never give up hope. As a teenager, Tracy continues her fascination with international broadcasting and modifying her shortwave radio to fine-tune it to many parts of the world service. It is at this time of personal change, from child to young woman, that Tracy begins to daydream of leaving small-town America to see the rest of the world. She imagines herself as a guest correspondent on air, reading the nightly news for the BBC World Service. In her teens, Tracy is a loner and a social iconoclast. She wears her hair in braids and dresses in jeans and a t-shirt. She still doesn't speak much, and her mother and sisters mostly ignore her. They instinctively know she will leave one day and never return. Her grandmother says she's an Aquarian, ahead of her time, and doesn't need anybody. Tracy is infatuated with the Teddy Girls of England and has a secret growing desire to travel to the continent and search for her father. She's never told anyone, but she believes he is still alive and living with a new family in Switzerland. She wants to find him one day and ask him why. Influenced by international broadcast, Tracy finds herself feeling disconnected from the brash American culture of the 1950s. She isn't interested in hitching up with boys, and she certainly does not want to become like her young, widowed mother working long hours stuck in a bygone era. In fact, sometimes she doesn't even feel like a girl at all. In the early 50s, she begins to dress tomboy like Catherine Hepburn and likes to tell tall tales like Pippi Longstocking. Pippi, a precocious braided redhead girl from the mind of Swedish author Astrid Lindgren, is a cartoon character with an unshakable do-anything attitude. Everything works for Pippi, who always seems to outwit child services with her monkey sidekick. She maneuvers her way through life sidestepping traps and conflict with ease. Tracy embraces Pippi as her hero, and she often asks herself, what would Pippi do? In all her adventures, Pippi is always expecting and waiting for her father to return. When Tracy finally accepts that her father will never return from over the sea, she decides to make her own way in the world, just like Pippi. After all, Pippi is invincible, and just like her, an interesting misfit and social oddball. One of Tracy's oddities is her mental block when talking about her father's disappearance. If asked about it, she often changes the subject or makes up a story about his tragic end. 
She avoids inquisitive conversations and lives like a ghost in her room with the door closed. She's only seen at mealtimes and speaks little, spending most of her time spinning the radio dial, listening to world reports, and making up her own flash news stories. When quietly daydreaming, she often fantasizes of being part of a teddy girl gang living in London without rules or any social norms. Tracy becomes a transistor radio kid, as were many American teens in the 50s. The transistor radio is an advertising gold mine and boosts revenue for AM radio stations. All the kids want to look cool and be seen listening to their favorite rock and roll station. After all, the new music is for a new radio generation. In the 50s, teens begin expressing their own style with new bop and dance moves and fab music icons like Bill Haley, Johnny Cash, Elvis, and Buddy Holly. Tracy is awed in that while at home, she likes to listen to international talk radio news and teddy boy rockabilly music coming out of London. In a fantasy, she creates a fantastic talk show persona who delivers shocking stories. She conducts interviews for a hip underground radio station in the UK. She can turn this persona on and off like a radio switch. As she delves deeper into her radio persona, she becomes obsessed with tone, diction, vocabulary, writing script, and reading the news as a radio announcer. It is 1957. Tracy is now 23 and still living at home, with no prospects or interest in marriage or even dating. She's narrow-focused on her goal of moving to the UK and becoming a media news reporter. She needs to find a job and start saving her money. When Daryl comes by the house for his usual afternoon visit October 1st, 1957, he does not seem his usual jovial self. He looks depressed, sad, and aloof. Tracy's mom is not yet home from work, and this gives Tracy and Daryl some time to talk about their favorite subject, radio. But today, something is different. Daryl is very quiet. Looks like he's about to cry in despair. Unaware of the events leading up to Daryl's sad appearance, Tracy blurts out that she wants to work at Nick 1150 Radio to get some experience and radio exposure. She point-blank asks Daryl if he'll help her to arrange this. Daryl looks at her for a long moment, like he's making a mathematical calculation, and then nods in agreement. Right then and there, he calls Nick, the station manager, to have him meet Tracy as soon as possible, providing an opportunity for Tracy, but also to help the station in its time of need. Daryl hangs up, and it's all set. Nick will see Tracy tomorrow and she will be trained to announce the hourly news on Nick 1150 AM radio. Tracy is over the moon with excitement. She gives Daryl a big hug and runs upstairs. As he gets up to leave, he hears music coming from Tracy's room. It's rock and roll. He quizzically stares off into space for a moment and wonders what will happen tomorrow. He chuckles to himself and leaves for home. With a new headache and an old warrior's limp, he feels burnt out and tired, but somehow optimistic that something wonderful is happening and everything is going to work out fine. He remembers what his long-past mom once told him in a time of uncertainty. 
Look to the new horizon. And just go with the flow. Thank you for listening to the backstory and timeline of Tracy Albright. Please join us next week as we look at the life and times of Daryl Lang, decorated World War I veteran, widower, recovering alcoholic, brilliant radio engineer, mentor of Tracy Albright, and wise elder, partner of Nick 1150 AM Radio. This is Blair Hebert signing off. Stay safe and keep on keeping on.